Welcome to the Hope Filled Birth Podcast. My name is Emma. And I'm Becca. Welcome to our podcast that focuses on glorifying Christ through testimonies of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. I want to give a quick disclaimer to this episode because it does involve a birth story. If you are someone who is pregnant or is just protecting your mental space when it comes to preparing for birth, I want to encourage you to be very mindful about whether or not you decide to listen to this episode. It's so important to protect that mental space while you are preparing for an event like labor and delivery. And so please just choose very carefully what you allow into your mind during this time because it can imprint and affect how you see your own birth experience and what expectations you set for your own birth story. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hope Filled Birth Podcast. We are so excited to be recording again today. We are going to be hearing from our very own Emma and her birth story. Last week, I got the opportunity to share mine. So I'm so excited to hear from Emma. Emma, how are you feeling? Are you ready? Good. Yeah, this feels like a long time coming. Um, and I'm, I haven't even really shared with that many people like my whole birth story so I am excited and I love that we're sharing so many different types of birth stories on this podcast I mean you guys are going to hear different environments different methods different uh, preferences you know just such a wide spectrum I think of of choices that people make when it comes to birth and um, mine is similar in some ways and different in other ways from Becca's and you know when I was pregnant I feel like so many stories that I heard were about things not going as planned and um, people telling me you know don't get too tied to your plan or like be careful how much you plan because things probably aren't going to go the way you plan and um, you know you even shared on your on your episode Becca that your your story is one where not everything went the way that you had had planned it or had hoped that it would and I'm really glad that you were able to share that because you can encourage women who had similar experiences to you and validate them encourage them um, or people who will have a similar experience to you Uh, and one thing I think that was tough for me was that when I was pregnant, I don't think I heard a lot of birth stories where people were like, yeah, this is what I planned. And, and that came to fruition. And it was great. Like, for some reason, that seems like it wasn't talked about as much. And maybe that's just the circles I've been in or, or the friends whose stories I heard. But that made me worried, because I was thinking, is it even worth it for me to make a plan if it seems like everybody's plan changes and I'm just going to be disappointed no matter what I try and plan? Um, now that I'm on the other side of that and I have gone through childbirth, I feel really good about the choices that I made. I'm glad uh, for the I'm really thankful for the planning that I did do. You know, nothing goes exactly to plan, of course. You know, there are always variables that are unexpected and and change. But my story, 
for the most part, is one that did go the way that I planned and the way that I had hoped. And I think that it's just as important to share those kinds of birth stories as it is to share ones where things change, because I don't want somebody out there to think, you know, oh, everything, no matter what I plan, things are going to change. You know, that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily the case. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be sharing today. Yes, I love that. I think it's going to be so encouraging and just a really good reminder that sometimes things do go the way you plan and, you know, maybe your first birth didn't and you're planning on having a second baby and you should still be planning and making a birth plan for yourself because this is a different birth, right? So I think you're going to encourage a lot of women. So let's just start right in the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about how you started planning um, for prenatal care and formulating that birth plan? Yeah, so really connecting with you was the was a catalyst for me in this in this process. You know, I was pregnant and you and I had reconnected and you told me about your doula who you had hired and this was before you had given birth, but you just had such a great experience with her our friend Leah so who I'm hoping we'll have on the podcast at some point yes. um, to kind of talk about what she does and what her role is, but I knew that I wanted a doula because I didn't want my doula to be Google. I wanted to have someone, you know, not just, you know, when, when I first became pregnant and I thought maybe I want a doula, I wasn't thinking as much about how she was going to support me during labor, even though she was, it was insane, the level of care she gave me and how much she helped during labor. But I was more so thinking about prenatal care. Like, I don't want to Google my questions. I don't want the internet to be what I go to um, for birthing advice. I don't want what pops up on my Instagram feed to be where I'm getting my knowledge from. And, you know, there are books, there are lots of reliable resources, but I really wanted a person who I trusted, who I knew I could count on and who had my best interest in mind, especially because no matter what provider I ended up choosing in terms of my OB or midwife, whoever was giving me care, I knew that the doula would be outside of that practice, outside of the hospital, outside of the kind of more businessy side of things and would be able to really give me an honest opinion about my questions and about my choices. And so I wanted that kind of in-between person. So hired a doula, my doula tells me, um, and now at this point, when I hired the doula, I was at the hospital down the street getting normal OB care, which they were great, honestly. Like I, I don't have complaints about the place down the street and I have friends who've delivered there and had a great experience. But ultimately I started, I started there and so many people around me all of a sudden started telling me about this other location within the same hospital network where instead of it being a traditional labor and delivery floor with OBs and nurses, it was run by a midwifery. So the midwives deliver the babies. It tends to be more natural and have a more holistic approach to prenatal care and childbirth. And they have an OB there on call. They have a pediatrician on call. So like if you need a C-section, if you need intervention, they have that available, but it's just a different setup. And so all of a sudden, my doula tells me she's delivered a lot of babies or helped deliver a lot of babies there. And then I find out 
my neighbor's a lactation consultant there. Then I find out multiple women at my church who I've just started becoming good friends with have all delivered their babies there. And it just kind of kept coming up this other place. And so my husband and I started having a conversation like, should I maybe switch? Like, this actually sounds really appealing to me. I had some people tell me, oh my gosh, if I could, if I could do it over again, I would have my kids here. Like it's such, it's just such a phenomenal environment. So anyways, I keep going to the OB, but I made an appointment with a midwife and I was like, I'll just go to this appointment and see how we feel. I came in with a lot of questions, which I do feel like the OB was kind of like, what? I was like, can I record you answering these? Cause I have like six questions and I don't want to write everything down. She was kind of like, um, I guess <laughs> the midwife was, she did definitely make me feel less crazy for having as many questions. I mean, I had questions about statistics and C-section rates and like, I just, I, I wanted to know a lot of information. We'll talk about those things in later episodes, but I just, I knew what to ask because I had friends tell me, here are the questions you need to know about these two options ask the same questions to the two providers and see which answers you like better. I liked the answers that the midwife gave me. My husband was a little bit hesitant at first because he was like, well, don't we want to be in a newer hospital? Don't we want to be somewhere where like there's a higher level NICU and, you know, kind of because of worst case scenario outcomes, he just was a little bit nervous. Now at the end of this process, he looked at me in the hospital and said, wow, we made the right choice coming here to have this baby. So like it was a full circle moment and we did make the right choice, but we probably debated this for a solid month while I'm still getting regular prenatal care at the OB. We go back and forth, back and forth. We went on a cruise in November and we were like, our goal is to come off this cruise and have a decision where we're gonna have this baby. And it ended up being the midwifery because my big thing, and, and I would encourage anybody who gets pregnant and is trying to figure out where to go, who to see, how to start this process. I think that you need to have an implicit trust in the people who are giving you care. And I told Alex, you know, at the end of the day, I might be able to have this baby naturally. I might end up having to have a C-section. I might end up needing like fill in the blank, right? I don't know what's going to happen. It's in the Lord's hands. But my goal was really to have a natural birth with as few interventions as possible. And with the midwives, I felt so confident that if I needed intervention, it would be because it was the best thing and the best option for me and my baby. It would not be because they were rushing me. It would not be because they had a, had a schedule or because of anything to do with money or shift change or you know, anything business related that sometimes happens. I've had friends who have had unnecessary interventions because of those reasons. And so I felt confident that no matter what happened, however AJ came into the world, it was going to be by the, the, the means that were the safest and best options for us because I trusted them. So I think that just trusting your provider and not feeling like you have to advocate for yourself all the time. You have to, um, you know, constantly be pushing back and questioning and, and, and wondering if what they're doing is best for you. So important. But that's also another reason to have a doula. And I know that was really big for you, that you really wanted someone in that room who was not you or your husband 
who would say, I know this is what Becca wants, or I know that this is, um, this is her preference or to help you make a decision when things are changing and to kind of be an in-between person and advocate for you. I really love how you gave us a lot of details about the process of you switching from an OB to a midwife and then bringing a doula in as well. Cause I feel like we've mentioned so far on the first two episodes about how important research is and how important it is to advocate for yourself, but really like, what does that look like? Right. And so you just gave a perfect example. You took the same questions and you asked your OB and then you asked the midwife and you sat there and you compared them. Right. So that's what that looks like. And you looked at, okay, what answers am I most comfortable with? Right. So I, I really, um, I love that example. So after, you know, getting your doula and you're switched to uh, the midwifery center, now what is your birth plan? Now, what research have you done? What did you come up with? Um, and how did you decide what in the end to include and maybe what not to include? Yeah, and so I'm gonna, I'll, I'll share a few things that were on my birth plan. And I'll also just say that at some point, we will definitely do an episode that exclusively covers birth plans. And we'll talk in a little bit more formal of a setting about what goes into a birth plan and how you make these decisions. And like, what are those questions that I asked the OB and the midwife? And um, I've talked to some people in the medical field who told me what questions to ask. And so we'll definitely be be sharing that at some point too. But the things that were most important to me were we did the golden hour which becca explained um on her episode we we i wanted to have the golden hour and do skin to skin with me with dad and delay as much as we could immediately after the birth now that played out a little bit differently from how yours did because i had him at almost 42 weeks and he had swallowed meconium and it was a whole thing so it was a little more urgent when he came out, I, I didn't get exactly the golden hour I was hoping for, but it's okay. <laughs> um, but that was important to me. I wanted to have a vaginal birth. I wanted to have no epidural. I didn't want AJ to have a bath afterwards. I didn't want him to have eye gel. I declined his hep B vaccination. Um, it was important to us that Alex cut the cord and that we say when we wanted the cord to be cut. Um, there are a few other things that were on there in terms of fundal massage, which is where they massage your stomach afterwards and it's related to potential hemorrhaging. Um, so I basically, my like, you know, we have the same doula. So <laughs> exactly kind of what Becca said last time, my doula gave me an example of here's what a birth plan looks like. And she's like, you should look into these things and decide what it is that you want. And so I did my research on each of those elements, but those were the things that were most important to me, I would say. So after you uh, came up with your birth plan, or probably during, because all these things were probably going on all together, what else did you do to prepare for birth? The biggest thing that I did to prepare for birth is I did a course called Hypnobabies. So Becca mentioned hypnobirthing on our last episode. And my friend who encouraged me to do hypnobirthing in the capacity that I did, I'm hoping that we can have a conversation with her at some point on the podcast for sure. But 
we will explain hypnobirthing more in detail also at in a later episode it is such an interesting concept and something that was completely foreign to me before i was pregnant and it sounds a little wacky like it it does i mean the hypno i mean it sounds a little wacky but i had a good christian friend who's really solid and and told me uh, she had had a C-section and she had two V-backs and she had one where she didn't do hypnobirthing. And then her last one, she did a hypnobirthing course called Hypnobabies. And she said it was like a night and day difference between her births. It was incredible. And hypnobabies, so so you might look up hypnobirthing and find like there are Christian hypnobirthing tracks. There's a course called Christian hypnobirthing. Hypnobabies is one that is pretty intense in terms of how it requires you to prep and they actually recommend that you do not do birthing classes in conjunction with hypno babies so i didn't do any i did not do any um traditional birthing classes with my husband or even just myself i only did hypno babies i did it exclusively and basically i, I guess the long story short of this of this method is you know, their theory is we are constantly in states of hypnosis, right? Anytime you're doing something where afterwards you can't remember exactly how you did it or how you got there, it's kind of like you're just doing something that's second nature. And so you're zoned out. Their argument is that that is a form of highly functioning hypnosis. So like me driving to the store, I'd get to the store and think, oh my gosh, did I, how, how, how did I get here? Or like, what was the drive like? I, I don't know. You know, I thought this yesterday because I looked in my rear view mirror and I thought, did I buckle AJ into a seat? I buckle him into a seat every single day. And so like, I just do it absentmindedly. It just happens. It's second nature to me. And so what hypnobirthing does is it trains, it, it helps you train your brain to enter a state of what they call eyes open hypnosis. So you can be functioning, um, but be in a hypnotic state where you are in a place of calm and peace and comfort. And you are actually able with that method to control to a degree, your, your pain tolerance, um, your body's ability to rest and, and be calm and be relaxed through trauma, through something that is very painful and, and very intense. So that's the long, that's the long story short of it. And like I said, we can, we'll talk more about this in the future, but um, that is what I did. I started Hypno Babies when I was 30 weeks. It's a, you have to do it for a minimum of seven weeks. So I ended up doing it for, oh, almost 12, I guess, because I was almost 42 weeks by the time I delivered. But um, I did it every day. And I spent anywhere from half an hour to an hour and a half listening to tracks, doing these courses, doing mental prep for this process. And that was that was really a huge catalyst for me and in, in how I was able to um get through childbirth is the wrong phrase, but <laughs> how I was able to do it, you know? So, and wait, one more thing I will say about that. The other thing that hypno babies helped me with was 
I listened to an affirmation track every single day while I was doing this course. And, and something that the track said was that I am confident that the way my baby is born is exactly the way my baby is supposed to enter the world. I am comfortable with whatever path my birthing takes. And um, after, you know, I, I was such a planner, I was such a planner in getting ready for this process. But by the time I got to the delivery room, I was as much as I had planned, I was equally so comfortable with whatever path my birth was going to take. And I think I, I have a friend who just told me recently, she had a baby a few weeks ago and her doctors said, thank God you don't have a birth plan because so many people have birth plans and things go wrong and they're upset and it's not what they thought it was going to be. And I believe that. I believe that that's true because I think people come into it with a plan and then when it doesn't go the way they think it's going to go, it's hard. But honestly, I think if you're going to have a plan, you also have to prep for that plan to change. And those two things can happen simultaneously. You can be planned to a T and you can also be so comfortable with whatever route your birth is going to take because you trust in the Lord for us, right? Like I trust that it's in the Lord's hands and whatever happens is going to happen. That's so good. So between writing your birth plan and doing your hypno babies course, you know, talking to your doula, talking to your midwife out of all of this, what do you think the hardest part of preparing for birth was for you? The hardest part of this process was probably my own doubt in my ability to do it. And I think a lot of that is because of media portrayal, people sharing their stories, people's opinions. I decided that I wanted to have a natural, unmedicated delivery. And I definitely felt throughout this process as though my choice was the exception, right? So I felt like instead of things going wrong being the exception, I felt like things going right was going to be the exception. Um, I felt like I had so many people tell me stories about trauma, which don't ever tell somebody who's pregnant your traumatic birth story. What? Doesn't help. What? How is that a thing we do? So I I heard stories, I, I've seen shows and movies, I have heard, you know, people ask me questions, like people, I had somebody ask me, oh, so are you going to have a C-section? And I was like, I, I mean, if something goes wrong, I'll have a C-section. What? I realized that I think in our culture, we see intervention as the norm. We see birth as a medical, you said this in yours, you said you didn't want it to be a medical event. We see birth as um, something that requires medical intervention because something's wrong. Whereas actually what's physiologically normal is that your body is made to have a baby without intervention, without meds. Like you can do that. You know what I mean? I understand that that's not always someone's choice and that's okay. You, you can choose to have your baby in the way you want to have your baby. But I'm just saying that what was hard for me is I felt like this choice I had made was like, oh, well, 
only this small percentage of people really end up having a baby vaginally and unmedicated and and that's just not the norm and so that was hard for me and and i think that it's so challenging when you know i had not given birth before so when i have somebody in front of me who's saying well i gave birth and there's no way i could have done it without blank or there's no way I could have done what you're trying to do. Well, I'm the one who's never done it. You know, this person's standing in front of me and they've been through this. So they're the one who is the expert for all intents and purposes in that conversation. And for me to feel like, well, I've never done this. So who am I to think that I can do it? Like, <laughs> If this person has been through it and they're saying it would be impossible for them, why do I think that I can do it? Um, so I think it was the mindset, the mental game I played with myself was really, really the hardest part because I felt like things going to plan would be the exception. Um, and I am an achiever. I like to set a goal and do it exactly how I think I'm going to do it. And if somebody tells me I can't, I want to do it anyways. And I had to get to this place in my mind where I knew, okay, even if things change, I can't be thinking, oh, well, I want to prove everybody wrong who thinks I can't do this. You know, I was definitely in a space where I was going to do what was best for my baby, no matter what. It wasn't about proving anybody wrong. But at the same time, it was just hard for me to to have people um, doubt, even if they didn't say it openly, but just being like, oh, wow, okay, you're, you're not going to have an epidural. And at the midwifery, I, they don't, they don't give epidurals for pain management. So I had to sign a paper saying, I acknowledge that this is not an, even an option for me. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, oh, well, I'm going to try to do it without the epidural, but then if I need it, I'll get it. I went into it knowing it was not going to be an option, which did change how I prepped because I knew there was no, that was not a backup option. But I think some people thought I was a little crazy. They were like, oh, like, you can't even like what if you end up wanting it well that's not going to happen <laughs> it's not an option so it was tough it was tough I think it's so hard because I I think you're right where your mind almost tries to take over with these fears and doubts and then you hear people's trauma and I don't know about you but when I originally went in and was telling people I wanted to do it naturally I got a lot of phrases such as well you know you don't get a prize at the end I don't know if you've heard that, but yes, it's not encouraging. Right. And we can all, like you said, like decide how we want to have our baby. But I will say if someone does come to you and tell you that they want to do it naturally, be that voice of encouragement for them. That's awesome. I know you can do this. You're so strong. Right. Uh, it blows my mind because what does somebody have to gain by telling me that they don't think I can do it? Maybe not in so many words, but what do you have to gain by saying to someone, you know, I don't think you can do it. Maybe they're trying to protect you from something they didn't feel like they could do themselves, but it's just, it's discouraging. And I had, I've heard that phrase as well. You know, you don't get a prize or like, why would you want to do it without medication? Like that sounds crazy. Well, because in, in my reading and research and, and what I learned it wasn't pain management was not my top priority. Like I would rather have been mobile and had 
maybe we, we'll probably okay we're probably going to talk about epidurals more in length at some point in terms of yeah. what are the pros what are the cons what are the yeah. situations good experience bad experience so i'm not going to get into that right now <laughs> but the reasons that i decided that's what i wanted was not because i wanted to be like oh well it's a lot of pain but i can do it you know it was because i had other reasons for the health and safety of myself and my baby those were the reasons I didn't want an epidural. And because of the way my delivery played out, I'm so thankful to God that I had the courage to not get one because of my specific situation. And so, yeah, I, I don't think many people are out there trying to go through childbirth naturally just because they want to say they did it. I mean, it feels great. It, it's definitely the most accomplished I've ever felt in my existence, but we're not trying to earn a prize. <laughs> we're trying to have a healthy baby. so. Okay, so you have your birth plan ready. You've done your prepping. Now, how did labor actually begin? Tell us the story. So I was due April 9th, and I did not end up having AJ until April 21st. So I started talking to my midwife about induction at my 41-week appointment. So they do induction as naturally as possible. So it takes a few days if you're to start that process with them. And so they basically told me, you know, we would really like, they, they could tell that AJ was going to be big. It's hard to predict baby size. And so they wouldn't even predict it from the ultrasound, but just from feeling him, um, they said, you know, you get to a point where you play this game of, do I wait a little longer, but the baby gets bigger and potentially there's more risk for intervention? Or do we go ahead and induce, but maybe your body's not totally ready? Then there's more chance for intervention. You know, there's pros and cons on each side. And so we started having the conversation be during my 41-week appointment because they said the latest that we would want to start induction is Thursday night. Now, this is on Monday I'm 41 weeks pregnant and I'm like ready to get the baby out. But I knew my mom was induced with me too early and it made her labor very challenging. And so I knew that I would rather be pregnant a little longer than be in labor longer, which now I can confirm it is more pleasant to be 41 weeks pregnant than inactive labor. So I was tempted I was tempted to go start induction Tuesday night because they told me you can pick just pick your day but the latest was Thursday I was tempted to go on Tuesday but I really felt in my gut that I needed to give my body as long as possible before I absolutely had to go to induction and my midwife was totally fine with that so I said okay Thursday night I, I will come in so we had an appointment or like they were going to admit me on Thursday night well, praise God, on Thursday morning, I woke up with contractions. So it was the same day that I was supposed to go in and start the induction process. In the middle of the night, I woke up and I started having contractions regularly from then until when I ended up having AJ. So I had contractions all day on Thursday. I ended up still going in Thursday night, but they didn't do the induction methods they were going to because I was already contracting. Um, they, by the time I was, I needed to sleep, they gave me, I did take some morphine so that I could sleep for like 
six hours, I think I slept for five or six. You're not supposed to take morphine when you're a certain amount of hours like away from having the baby, but they said I was probably early enough that they could give me some so that I could sleep and then it would wear off by the morning or whenever. So I took, I took some, I had some rest and then in the morning on Friday, my contractions weren't really picking up as fast as they thought that they would be by that point. So they did start me on a small dose of Pitocin and my contractions did speed up. They did get more intense. I labored all day on Friday. AJ was, he was facing the right way, but his head kind of needed to turn a little and, and they could, they could tell that he um, just wasn't exactly in the right position, that the best position during my contractions, I did so many different positions. So that did, I was glad for that reason that I did not have an epidural because I knew that to, to some degree an epidural would probably limit my mobility. And so, I mean, I was, I was up and down and in the bed and out of the bed and in chairs and on my knees. And like, I mean, every, I was in every position. Um, and they were so intense when they were, I mean, it's like the silliest thing, right? Like I'm sitting right now if, and I remember I was sitting on the bed with my legs down and they said, okay, for the next three contractions, just put your knees together and leave your feet out. And that, those were the most intense contractions probably of the whole labor. I was like, and now I put my knees together. I'm like, it's nothing. But to have a contraction while you're in a position like that, they're trying to open up your pelvis. It's like, it is so wild. It's so wild. So anyways, I was um, moving between different, different positions. And Becca and I talked on the last episode about how the exhaustion is just another level. So there were some periods of time, like hours at a time where I would be um, kind of dozing in between contractions or even through some of them. Um, my doula also gave me an amazing foot rub. It was like having the best pedicure of my life, that foot rub. And uh, so all throughout this labor process, I was using my hypno babies techniques that I had, which I'm not going to go into right now because we'll save it for when we talk about hypnobirthing more later. But I was really through most of it, I was able to be very calm and and let my body rest. And my body progressed pretty well because of that. Um, in terms of like I definitely, I mean, you talked about how, you know, you had been up for days, Becca, and your body, you really reached that point where you knew your body wasn't going to progress without the epidural, right? And so it's good that you were in an environment where that was still an option for you because thank God. I do think that it's so important that you did decide to take a little bit of medicine and give your body rest right when you got there. I really think that you set yourself up right there for success as well. That was, I think that was just great. Yeah, because it is exhausting. So I am glad too, because when I got there Thursday night, I was kind of like, they're like, so we could try to speed things up now and do some Pitocin or you could sleep and we could do it in the morning. And I was kind of like, let's go. Like, I could I could go now. And they were like, you know what? You've been up since 3 a.m. So maybe not. 
and and that was the right call because if I had not slept, I might have ended up as exhausted as you were, um, which I can't imagine. I mean, Becca was talking on the last episode, if you didn't listen to it, about how she could barely even hold herself up with her own arms at you know yeah. the end of this process. Like, yeah. So it was so exhausting. Um, but I was able to rest enough because of my hypno babies techniques. Um, that, you know, I've I've heard people say that getting their like getting an epidural for them really helped their body relax, which allowed the labor to progress. Um, hypno babies helped me to not have ten tension in my body. It really helped me to do for myself physically something similar to what an epidural would have done in terms of staying very relaxed and at peace and and almost like it's almost a surrender to the contraction that's happening um and just letting it move through your body and 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 bring your baby closer to being born as opposed to tensing and not allowing it to to progress so anyways that whole day felt like a time warp because a couple days later I told Alex, I was like, what was I doing all day? It doesn't feel like that was all day. It felt like I was in another dimension, but, um, I labored all day. And then finally around eight 30 that night. So we didn't know it at the time, but the cord was around AJ's neck, not in a way where it was super obvious right away. Like they weren't super concerned about it. But he wasn't dropping as much as he should have. So my water was not breaking. So the risk with manually breaking your water is maybe your body's not quite ready. And that's why your water hasn't broken. But maybe it is. And there's a holdup. So for AJ, there was a holdup. My midwives did not ask me if I wanted my water broken. My doula actually said, hey, let's have a conversation about this. And I think you might want to consider asking them to break your water. Um, So uh, we had that conversation. She explained to me why we should. Now, I was very tired at this point. I remember my midwife walking in. And I think my doula and Alex are the ones who told her that I wanted her to break my water. But I remember I could barely even keep my eyes open. It was like I was in a daze and I was like, Bernadette, I, I don't, I, I can't even stay awake to finish talking to you right now. I was so exhausted, but we knew that by 8.30, maybe if they broke my water, things would progress quickly. And basically they said, she told me, once we break your water, we want to make sure that you have progress within the next two hours. So she broke it. Not a ton of fluid came out. Um, which later we realized was because it was all behind AJ because it all came out when I actually gave birth to him, but she broke it. And then two contractions later, I started having the urge to push, which is not always common because like, like my midwife said, you know, we want progress within two hours. So they wouldn't have been surprised if it had taken a while, but your body does have a natural urge to push that feels like you can't control it and it feels like you're about to poop that's what it feels like they're like I'm like I think I'm gonna poop myself and they said okay that's the right feeling (laughs) and so anyways um 
my body started having the urge to push. And so they let me start pushing. And almost immediately, it might have been a few minutes, a few minutes maybe into pushing, AJ's heart rate started to drop. Honestly, this was a weird experience for me because I was very focused on my contractions. I was very focused on my hypno babies techniques. And I really felt like I was in another dimension. Like it was, I, that's the only way I know how to say it. I feel like I was there, but not like it was out of body, even though it was very much in body because wow, it was intense, but, um, his heart rate started dropping and I'm hearing my midwife say the heart rate's dropping. I'm hearing the nurse. They're like monitoring it as his head is moving down. I was so calm. Like this did not freak me out at all for some reason. Alex was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I was freaking out. Somehow I was so at peace in this moment, which I think was the Lord, obviously, and the prep that I had done because my midwife came up to me and said, if his heart rate does not start to recover, there is a chance that this turns into a C-section. The boy had a big head too. So he just was not moving down very quickly at first. And so I just remember thinking, I just said, okay, it, if it change, if things change, if I need to go have surgery to have him, okay. I just remember being so surprised by how at peace I was in that moment. That was just the Lord, I think. So that was kind of the culmination of the whole, all my plans could change right now. And I am 100% okay with that because my priority is not my plan. My priority is um, doing everything I can do, but having open hands and saying, you know, Lord, however, this baby needs to come into the world safely is okay. So anyways, she, uh, told me that and, um, they let me keep pushing a little bit longer to see if it would recover and his heart rate did recover. And she told me later that probably in almost any other hospital setting, um, when his heart rate started to drop, it would have been a C-section right away pretty much without question. And so that is another reason that I was really glad because I knew that if I had a C-section, it was because she knew that was my only option. Um, and she knew that wasn't. She knew she could give me a little bit more time without risking my life or AJ's life. And so she gave me that time and he did recover. So they let me keep pushing. I pushed for one hour, which I'm pretty sure is on the lower end. So most people who I whose stories I've heard have pushed for much longer than an hour. And I am very, very impressed by that. It's one of those things where if you have to do it, like you could like I could have kept doing it. <laughs> but now that I think back on it, I'm like, one hour, that feels like it was my max. Like I was pretty, <laughs> I was pretty exhausted and it was very intense. And you know, I was able to manage a lot of pain with my hypno babies, but it was still the most intense. Uh, intense and um, at times definitely painful thing that I have endured. So um, yeah, but he was born an hour later. Uh, the only other intervention that I did need was uh, they used a suction assist to help get his head out where when I pushed, I want to say that it was like for the last few pushes, for the last few pushes, um, they had a little suction that they would put on his head and put it on right when I started pushing and they would pull while I pushed. So 
they did that for um, my final few pushes. I did have a third degree tear from delivering him and there are four degrees of tears. So if y'all want to do a little research and see what that means, you can, but mine was third degree. Um, and you know, something that, I mean, I think I would want to know if I was listening. So what the heck, I'll just share it because I, I recently had a friend ask me like, could you feel it? Like, could you feel yourself tearing? And I obviously, I, I was able to do this unmedicated. And so I did feel, I mean, I felt everything. So, but, but the thing I will say is I, I delivered him and I did not know I had torn. So they said, okay, we're going to stitch you up. And I was like, oh, was there, was there something <laughs> that needed stitches? And, and that's not to say that it like didn't hurt or it wasn't intense. And I just didn't even know. It was kind of the, the intensity of, of delivering his head was kind of all in one. So then that was it. He was born. Okay. So on top of your hypnobabies um, technique that you were going through in your head during your labor and your birth, what are some scriptures and songs that you might have used as well to get through um, this labor and delivery process? Yeah, so I did a Bible study a few months before I gave birth that was on the Psalms. And we specifically talked about anxiety and this verse really stood out to me in that study. And I meditated on this verse during, before, after, everything. And that is Psalm 130, five and six. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. There's a, this is ESV which is just my translation of choice. There's another version. It might be NIV that says, I wait for the Lord. My whole, my whole being waits or my whole body waits, something like that. Um, which I also love because it was like, just, it just encapsulates that my, my whole being is just waiting on God. This was so important for me because the whole labor process is waiting on the Lord and, and, just I've never experienced such a literal waiting on the Lord. And so this verse was really important to me. Shane and Shane wrote a song called I Will Wait For You that is written out of Psalm 130 um, specifically. And so that song I listened to over and over and over again. There are three songs that I listen to on repeat. Shane and Shane, I Will Wait For You, Yet Not I But Through Christ In Me, the city of light version, but you know, there's a million versions. And then Bebo Norman, I will lift my eyes. Those three songs I listen to over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I had headphones in and I had Hypno Babies tracks that I would also listen to. And then I would listen to these songs on repeat. And the lyrics that were big for me were um, from I Will Lift My Eyes. You know, it says, I will lift my eyes. To the maker of the mountains I can't climb. Um, that was big for me. It gives me chills now. The verse from Yet Not I But Through Christ in Me that was so meaningful to me in this process was, the night is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by my side, the Savior, he will stay. 
I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need his power is displayed. To this I hold, my shepherd will defend me. Through the deepest valley he will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. My whole body has chills right now. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need his power is displayed. It was just, it was the most incredible picture of just my weakness being Christ's opportunity to show his power and surrendering to him in that was the most beautiful thing I have ever experienced in my life because I'll talk about this in a minute but I have never in my life fortunately but I have never been in a position where I truly felt that I could not do something in my own strength physically. I just have never experienced that. And so to go through labor and childbirth is, it is that, you know, it is relying on the Lord's strength and really realizing I am not capable to do this. So those were my, those were my verses. That, that was my scripture. And music that really, really carried me through and was how I meditated on the Lord and his goodness and the character traits that I knew would carry me through this process. Wow. I mean, this entire story, listening to just everything that you said, I mean, I can just see where Jesus has showed up um, with his peace and his power, just in everything but where do you think that you, looking back, saw God show up most clearly for you in this process? Honestly, the Lord blessed me with so many friends and connections that led me to the midwifery and my doula and reconnecting with you and friends with experiences and who told me, here's what you should ask and here's what you should try. Um all of those things are like all these puzzle pieces that came together and ultimately yielded the birth that I had and the experience I had. And I, his goodness was so evident in every single step. And it makes me even emotional now to think about all those tiny little pieces and how he led me through other people to exactly where I was supposed to be. And I am so confident that the people who were supposed to be with me through that process were with me. And I'm just so grateful. Also through my contractions, meditating on the Lord, visualizing him bringing AJ to me, scripture, and also listening to those songs I mentioned were really what carried me through. So my mind was on the Lord the whole time because I knew it was only in his strength that I could keep going and keep going the way that I had planned. And also I really experienced God's goodness and grace through Alex during this process. I really don't think that I could even adequately explain the physical and emotional support that he gave me. And you probably feel this way about Darren as well. But I mean, I really truly could not describe with words, the connection that we had and just how beautifully he supported me and 
loved me and cared for me in those moments. And that was such a beautiful picture of Christ's love for me. And so that was, that was very impactful too. I love that. That's so beautiful. All right. So this is my favorite 30 seconds of advice. If you could give someone your best advice in 30 seconds, after all the research and everything about birth, what would it be right now? I would say go with your gut. I think regardless of what anyone says around you, regardless of anybody else's experience, you go with your gut. Looking back, I know I made the right decisions for my birth because of how everything played out. But like I said earlier, I thought I was going to be an exception if everything went well. And I just want to say that you can have the birth that you imagine and that you desire. That's not a guarantee that everything's going to go perfectly, but you can do it. I just like want to be your hype woman. Like you can do it. You know, it took me time. I had to be committed. It took a lot of effort. It took humility. It took courage. You know, you can't just walk into the room and be like, okay, I'm just gonna, like you said, be superhuman because it is a superhuman thing to do. But if you put in the work, there is, there is, if you put in the work, you can absolutely have the birth that you want. I don't care what anybody else says. My midwife said to me afterwards, she said, you set a goal, you achieved it, and you should feel absolutely amazing about that. And I do. And it's it's not in my own strength, right? I have to give glory to God. I will not touch the glory of God. But it is possible. So I want you to be encouraged that you can have the birth that you want. I love it. I know I'm so encouraged. It's such a breath of fresh air. And I know, like we mentioned uh, in the beginning of this episode, but you know, like for me, my first birth didn't exactly go the way I wanted. And maybe that's you, but let this episode be encouragement for you. If you do want to have more children, Um, I just say, you know, use this episode as encouragement. You know, maybe your first experience wasn't what you wanted, but don't be discouraged from that. You know, pray that the Lord would take that off of your heart and would just renew you with strength to move forward and try again in your second birth if that's you know if you want to have more children and just be encouraged to continue researching and continue planning you can do it and if you don't have those positive reinforcements in your life that's why we started this podcast right Emma I mean that's why we did this because we know that it can be so hard so really we are praying for you and we are just encouraging you and we are rooting for you even if we never met you that is why we are here so emma thank you so much for sharing this story i know that it can be scary sometimes to share birth stories but i know that so many women are going to be encouraged and blessed from this and so i'm just so happy i got to hear the whole thing and it's just so beautiful If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe so we can reach and bless as many women as possible. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram for more releases of episodes coming soon.